0: We're going to be in Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 to 6 this morning. As I mentioned earlier, I'm pretty excited to deliver this message this morning. Men, I hope you came with a little bit extra energy this morning to to listen and incorporate this into your life. Do you know about the book of Malachi? Malachi is the last prophet. When Malachi's done, it's 400 years of silence before the gospels start. He's the last prophet to take a shot at the children of Israel, the men of Israel, and say, here's what God's looking for, and maybe more important, here's what God's looking to do for you. And so, I'm going to read the last chapter of the book of Malachi, the the last six verses of the Old Testament, and we're going to talk about those this morning. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. Thanks, Malachi. That's uplifting. That's a great way to start. (laughs) But he would not be issuing this warning unless we needed to hear it, right, men? And women. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. Ouch. But for you, who revere my name, sometimes in other translations, fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Have you thought about that image recently? Frolicking like well-fed calves? Maybe if you're a farmer. Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. We're in a war. Remember the law of my servant Moses? The decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents, really in the Hebrew, that word means fathers. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. So many of you know that um, About 20-some years ago, I and a friend of mine named Rick started a coaching network for pastors. And one of the great joys of my ministry for the last 20 years has been to help other pastors, to pay it forward in a sense. And so I'm always looking for resources and people that are doing similar things so that I can continue to learn how to do better at coaching these men who have been called to be pastors in their churches because leaders are the lid on their organization. Men, you are the lid on your family because you are God's called leader in the castle that is your household you are called to be kings and equipped to be kings. As Jesus was a king, you are now kings serving under the great King Jesus. And he's given you everything you need to be a king in your own household. And what I want to talk about today, what I want to start with, is this amazing young man that I found of all places on Twitter. And I I asked his permission to share this story because I think it's a very compelling story about a son and his dad. And dads, one thing I want you to realize is maybe you don't even understand how deep the influence is that you have on your children. And I'm saying this knowing that out here are perhaps some men who, because of Divorce or other circumstances, uh, maybe an illness, maybe actually the most painful thing of all, to lose a child before you die? Well, they're not lost, are they? In Christ, they're in heaven. But here's what I want you to know. Men, you have influence, great influence, and that is God's plan. That is how God set things up to be. And moms, I'm, I'm not excluding you in the least. I just want everyone in this room to understand that in God's economy, dads are so vitally important because we live in a world where dads have been diminished. I really believe that. And I really believe that in a world where dads are diminished, the world itself becomes diminished. And so, men, we have to stand up. We have to get the energy and the strength and the courage to stand up and be the men that God has called us to be. And that's what I want to talk about. And I'm going to start with this story by a young man named Gabe Plaguey. And Gabe Plaguey, he had an interesting childhood with his dad. Now, I don't normally do this. You know, I don't like to read my message. But Gabe did such a good job of telling his own story I'm actually gonna read to you for a little while here, so are you ready for that? Man, I know you love being read to, don't you? I, I just can't say it better than Gabe says it for himself. I was five years old when I first saw my father in a hospital bed. From the moment I was born, it seemed like he had the curse of poor health. My father was hospitalized once per year, minimum. Junk food was normal. Him being too tired was normal family trips to the hospital were normal. This was the sad story of my life until I turned about 15, the age when a young boy begins to question the world around him. And I had some big questions. How come my parents were struggling financially after owning real estate multiple businesses? Sound like a 15-year-old? Sounds like a 15-year-old to me a little bit that uh, he's starting to question the world around him. How come my dad was tired and lazy after teaching me to work hard? How come my dad was still unhealthy after years of praying to God for help? Did I mention Gabe's a young Christian man? I began to question my father completely. Dad, do you care about our financial security? Dad, do you really back up your faith with action? Dad, do you love me enough to be healthy for me? Man, when I read that line Do you love me enough to be healthy for me? It took me right back to sixth grade when I asked my dad that question about his drinking. Dad, do you love me enough to stop your drinking? The answer, sadly, was no, he didn't. To these questions, the answer I concluded was a big fat no. I thought if my father really loved me, he would take care of himself. So he could be on earth longer with me. What began as sadness and pity toward my father quickly turned to anger and resentment. And what began as my father's health battle quickly became his identity. Obesity, illness, and laziness became my father's identity. One day my father even jokingly said, My doctor told me he's never prescribed someone a higher dose of insulin than he has to me. That was his boast. Another day, he sat me down and asked, son, why do you hate me? And in 2019, my dad called my office at work and told me, Gabe, come home now. I need you to drive me to the emergency room. I remember that drive. I didn't say a word, and my father wept in shame next to me. I was more angry than sad. How come my father continued to default to unhealthy habits, even though he knew he needed to change? My father defaulted to unhealthy habits, even with his family as motivation, even with myself and the doctors telling him what needed to change. He wasn't consciously deciding, today is a great day to eat like crap and shorten my lifespan. No, he knew his habits were wrong, but he did them anyway. This actually becomes the theme of the business that Gabe Plagueis starts, Default Kings. Because he noticed his dad was defaulting back to all these poor habits. As the men we were helping began to transform, so his business began to help other men, As they were beginning to transform and change their default actions, my father took notice and began to change his own unhealthy default actions. He began to walk more. He began to eat healthier. He didn't become a health freak, but he didn't need to. Basic healthy default actions like exercise, walking, and eating higher protein meals meant he was able to lose 40 pounds. And quite frankly, my father became unrecognizable physically and mentally. I saw a level of self-respect and drive reignite in my father's eyes. Can you imagine being Gabe, watching this transformation happen? He was no longer down on himself or negative toward others. Men, are any of you struggling with this right now? Feeling down on yourself? Negative toward others? His mental health transformed as much as his physical health. I finally wanted to be around my father and look to him for advice, and things were looking up. He was the healthiest he had ever been until one day I got a call on the phone. It's my dad, and he tells me, son, I have cancer. That felt like a slap in the face how god could you allow my father to overcome these trials and tribulations only to hit him with an uncomfortable death sentence but his father also a christian a spiritual man said this my father reminded me god uses everything for good everything as the months pass and my father focuses even more on his health He knows his body needs to be strong if it's to survive the cancer treatment. He gets even healthier. He used to be on over 20 medications, and he's cut them in half. As the months pass, my father focuses even more on his health, and not just physical health, as you read through this Twitter page. But eight months later, my father called me on the phone, and he told me he was cancer-free. The hard work paid off. The... Few basic healthy default actions he implemented were enough to prolong his life. I'm grateful to God that my dad built healthier default actions. I want to ask you guys, what are you defaulting to that is unspiritual, ungodly, and unhealthy to your spirit, to your mind, to your heart, to your family? What's causing that castle that you're the king of to crumble because you keep reverting back to these unhealthy default actions, perhaps first and foremost, unhealthy spiritual default actions? One of the things I want to do, I'm going to do this several times during this message. It's awesome to see all you men here today. This is a church that has so many great young men and older men in it. And, you know that's my favorite word, it's also a church that has two men's groups that don't have enough men in them. Can I just be frank? The men in those groups are great men, both of them. The Saturday morning 7 a.m. one, in case you're wondering when to go, and the Sunday afternoon after church one. They don't have enough men. We need to come together, guys, and fight together against Satan. I don't want to put words in Gabe's mouth, but he does say this at the very end of his Twitter post. He says, the conclusion here is simple. You are never too far gone. Man, I want you to hear that encouragement. Some of you have been through immense challenges in life. Challenges with your health. Challenges in relationships and divorce and challenges even with drug addiction and abuse. And you are here today no longer, by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, defaulting to those actions. You've set a new baseline for yourself, and this is amazing. And I'm here to say, let's lift the lid today. Wherever your lid is today, wherever my lid is because I need to lift my lid too. I need to be a better dad, a better husband, a better king in my family. I need to lift my lid just as much as any man in this room and the challenge today is to see a Jesus Christ who loved you enough to lay his life on the line for you. To see a Jesus Christ, it's because of him Of this conclusion, you are never too far gone. Why? Jesus, His power, the Holy Spirit, His strength. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. That's our new default. And by the way, I don't want to put words in Gabe's mouth. He doesn't say this, but I think he would. He would also say, wherever you feel in your fathering you are, and you might feel like you've been failing, things are not too far gone. Not with the help of God. So, that's a hugely long introduction, but I wanted to tell Gabe's story in Gabe's words because I think it's a great illustration of what Malachi is telling us. And what is he telling us? If you look around, I'm guessing, men, that you are suspecting that the world is headed to hell. Look look in our culture and in our society, these are the things that we actually talk about in our men's group is what do we as men do, as Christian men who follow Christ, what are disciples of Jesus meant to do in a world that seems headed to hell? And that's the question I wanna start with. Is that what Malachi is telling us here? Is that our world is headed to hell? Come on, anyone who's looking around himself today may certainly suspect that's where it's headed. But let's look again at that first passage. Now let's ask ourselves, is the world headed to hell? And here's Malachi's answer. The Lord of heaven's armies says, The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed Roots, branches, and all. For those who are not believers in Jesus Christ, Malachi says they may want to lead the world to hell, but what they're really doing is they're bringing on the day of judgment. We don't know when that's going to be. It could be today. It could be a thousand years from now. Jesus tells us no one knows the day or hour. And so I'm not up here to predict it's right here, right now. Perhaps it is. But it is certainly coming. That's what Malachi wants you to know. And men, it is up to us in the meanwhile to defend the faith. To fight for Christ. To fight for our families. To fight to bring Christ's love into them. Because judgment is coming. And and this is not new. It's why we need each other. One of the things that caught my eye about Gabe I'm going I'm to put a couple pictures up let's Let's take a look at Gabe and his dad. That's Gabe and his dad. This is as Dad's trying to get healthier. Gabe coach is saying, "Let's try ice baths. You want to try that, Dad's but But look at why Gabe, the son, is qualified to help his dad in this way. Put that next picture of his group up. Look at this. He's got got over 100 men that he's coaching. And this is exactly what we try to do in our men's group. Because guess what? This battle is not easy as the world heads to judgment. We need each other and and i want to show you that this is not new gk chesterton have you heard of gk chesterton he was a famous apologist of over 100 years ago he 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 writes this i don't know if can, it's a little pixelated i don't know if you can read it the worst moment for an atheist is when he feels a profound sense of gratitude and has no one to thank That's a hundred years ago that he's already battling and saying, look, and and he writes a book, which is an amazing book. It's called Heretics. And it's not traditionally the idea of a heretic heretic as a a Christian who is teaching false teachings. These are people he's addressing who he calls heretics in our world, in the wider world, even beyond Christianity. And I want you to see what he says. Again, more than a hundred years ago, The great march of mental destruction will go on. Anybody feel like that's happening today? Fires will be kindled to testify that two and two make four. Do you get what he's saying there? He's saying that there are going to be mass protests and battles where fires are going to be lit in the street. And why do fires need to be lit in the street? Why do we need to battle like this to to try to persuade people that 2 plus 2 equals 4. A hundred years ago, Chesterton said that. Swords will be drawn. We'll have to fight to prove that leaves are green in the summer. We shall be left defending not only the incredible virtues and sanities of human life, But something more incredible still, this huge impossible universe which stares us in the face. In other words, we're going to have to fight to get people to understand, see this material world, it's real. The universe is real, the world is real, you are real. And what you do has real impact on the world and on each other. Here's the conclusion that Malachi starts us with, write it down. The world is headed for judgment. So, in that realm, with that realization, the world will not long be headed for hell. At some point, Jesus is going to end it, and he's going to come for judgment. Now Malachi goes on. But for you, who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness, Jesus, will rise with healing in his wings. That's an amazing statement. That's what Gabe and his dad experienced. By being attached to Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness rose for them with healing in their relationship in his dad's physical well-being. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet. Don't worry about all the evil in the world. It's there. It's there. You're going to trample them under your feet as if they were mere dust on a path, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You've got heaven's armies fighting for you. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and, con- and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. Here's the question I want us to ask on the basis of this and the next part I'm going to read. What is a godly man in this realm where we're headed for judgment? What is a godly man's confidence and contract? Malachi starts by telling us what our confidence is. Our confidence is the son of righteousness, the very source of light and wisdom and truth. As as surely as the sun is the source of light in our world, the sun, S O N, is our source of light and hope and peace and love and righteousness. He will rise with healing in his wings. Men, where have you felt like you've failed? Where have you fallen short? Where are you tempted to ask like Gabe's father, son, why do you hate me? Daughter, why do you hate me? Why do we not get along anymore? I remember those days when you used to sit in my lap and we would cuddle and it was just amazing to hold you as a three-year-old, a four-year-old, and now you're a 13 or 14-year-old and you seem to want to have nothing to do with me anymore or, or anything to do with my faith. Those are rough moments for a Christian dad. Trust me, I know from experience. And we need to know that we're, we have regrets as a dad, where we have failed as a dad, a husband, as the king and keeper of our castle. And I would guess that every man in this room feels that there are some of those things that have happened, the Son of Righteousness has risen with healing in His wings. You're forgiven. He died on the cross for you, fathers. Mothers, too. I don't want to leave you out entirely. Moms, you're forgiven, too. There's so much mom guilt in our world today. The son of righteousness has risen with healing in his wings. You are, notice what it says, you will go free, leaping with joy like calves out to pasture. Anybody here ever seen this when I was a high schooler? I had just become a Christian. I decided I was, I was going to go away to high school to start my training to, to become a pastor. I was barely a Christian at this point. And I went, of all places, to Mowbridge, South Dakota. For my last two years of high school. And one by one, my classmates, I think they wanted a little chuckle. They took this city boy to their farms. I remember watching a calf actually being pulled because it wasn't coming. They attached a chain to it and gently winched the calf out of his mother's womb. But if you've ever seen this sight, in real life you will not Forget it. It's the sight that Malachi talking about. Calves jumping around a pasture after the winter in the spring their first year, and they get to run around in the sunny pasture for the first time. That's how they feel. A sense of complete joy and freedom. Men, this is what Jesus wants for you. This is why he has risen with healing in his wings Being a true king of your castle, a great dad starts not with someone piling more on you, but with your Savior taking the weight of your guilt off you and saying, all those mistakes, all those sins you've committed, all those things you've done, let's start with freeing you of all that weight, all that baggage, all that garbage. Let's take that out and give it to Jesus On the cross. And experience, men, experience that first. That's what Malachi says. That beautiful joy and freedom. And understand that you have this confidence that no matter how wicked the world becomes, it is not stronger than the God who has angel armies at His back. And the final confidence is that as you live in the truth, this is what Malachi says, as you live in the truth, God's truth, which is why he points us back to Moses and the commandments, live in those truths, what Moses and the commandments say, and you will experience more and more of this freedom and this joy every day. So what's our confidence? Our confidence is based on this. A godly man fears the Lord. Why does this bring such freedom? Here's what I'm going to tell you about my dad. I really believe he drank so much because he was filled with anxiety. As I looked back and I analyzed my dad and my upbringing, I realized this was a man that was filled with all kinds of fears, and so he drank to dull them. Look at Oswald Oswald Chambers, another Christian man. The remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. That's my dad. And so all he could think of to do, even though he grew up in a Christian household, was self-medicate. If only, if only he had been brought back to the fear of God. The respect and the love and faith in God is really what that means. The reliance on God. If he could have feared God, Oswald Chambers tells us he would have feared nothing else. That's our confidence. A godly man who fears the Lord will fear nothing else. And what's our contract? Meaning, what's our agreement with the Lord? What's our agreement with our families, our sons, our daughters, our wives? Here's what it is. Malachi says, look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah. That's a reference to John the Baptist. 400 years later, after Malachi finishes writing these words, he's predicting the birth of John the Baptist, the prophet Elijah, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. Before this day of judgment that is certainly coming, before it comes, John the Baptist will come and will introduce to you the Savior. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. This is especially why I chose this passage. This is the contract God has with you and that He wants you to have with your family. And the hearts of children to the fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. What's the agreement that God has? Is that He's going to send you men His Spirit through the Word, through the sacraments, and He is going to take your heart. When you, through repentance, are open to His effects in your heart, He's going to turn you. That's what repentance means. Repentance means to Turn. And God is working repentance, so He's turning our hearts. To whom? To our jobs? To our toys? To our success, worldly success? To our position? To our possessions? Isn't it odd he doesn't mention any of those things? He's going to turn the hearts of men, strong Christian men, to their children. Take a look at this quote about what this man believes the contract is. It's a a quote about the role of a man. We'll get it up there. He adopted a role called being a father so that his child would have something mythical and infinitely important. Let's say it together a protector. That's your contract to protect your family. And how do you do that? First and foremost, you do that by leading your family to the capital P Protector, the God of the universe, the King of kings and Lord of lords, by leading them to Jesus. There are so many qualities we could talk about that we would say, this is the quality of a good dad. He's courageous. He's caring. He, 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 he is always there. To help when I need him. I mean, you could go on and create a whole list of things that good dads do. Even good Christian dads do. But I'm going to say that maybe the most important one is that a good Christian man is outspoken. Outspoken. What? Yeah, outspoken about the Lord. About the Lord's role in his life and the Lord's role in his family's life. That's what I believe our contract is, man. And that's how we protect our families by being outspoken about the Word and about the great strength that God has for us. A godly man, this is the contract, turns his heart to his children to be their protector and to be their coach and to be their teacher. Now, sons, I'm going to encourage you to be like Gabe. Gabe's dad... Gabe starts by saying, I forgive my dad. I love that. That's how the post starts. I love my dad. But Gabe had to help his dad learn how to be a better coach. And sons, you can do that too. Daughters, you can do that. If your dad's not fulfilling your desires, help him to be a better coach, a better protector for you. Give him a little feedback. And men, I'm going to say it one last time before I wrap up. You want to really learn how to be a great Christian man? A great protector? Outspoken about Jesus Christ and his love for the world, his forgiveness for the world? Get yourself around other men who are Christian. Group up. Fight together. You saw that picture I showed of Gabe and his circle of men. We need a round table still today, men. And find yours. We have two of them and I'd like to have more. I've probably only got about a year left here. I would love to see on leaving this church that we've got five or six at least men's groups that are functioning and supporting one another. Because just like in your own family, also in the church family, a strong church family will strengthen even further when men come together to support one another and help one another and give one another courage. Dan, raise your hand. That's the guy you want to talk to. Right there. You got him. He's, he, he can't get out because he sat in front. Bad choice. <laughs> Find him after the service, and he'll direct you to either the Saturday morning group or the Sunday morning group. He'll help you get connected. And, men, I, I re, and we need men of all ages. All ages to support and mentor one another. What's your next step? I will regularly speak heart to heart with my children about the Lord's life, love, and wisdom. Would you join me, with me in that beautiful, outspoken statement of belief, the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.